Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the BSEN Roundtable. I'm your host, The Rit. You might know me from the Pesky Podcast. Well, we are here covering all Boston sports now. We are covering the Bruins. We are covering the Patriots, the Celtics, and, of course, your Boston Red Sox. So I've got a plethora of guys that are going to be coming on to sit there and talk about uh, each sport. We're going to be going around the city, so to speak. So first things first is we're going to sit there and be covering your New England Patriots, our boys from the Foxborough Fellas podcast. After this quick commercial, we were going to be bringing on Pete and then our boy Marlon. Patriots Nation. Stand up. The champs is back. Listen up, this is the anthem track. This is history in the making. You're all witnessing greatness. It's better when the pressure is on us. Our backs against the wall. What we do gets stronger. And everything we earn, we deserve. It's nothing but blood, sweat, tears, and hard work on our turf. Still on top, we stay focused. Been running it for a minute now, if you ain't noticed. Cause now is our time, it's all or nothing. So pay attention, cause them boys is up to something. From the proving grounds to top tier, we won't stop. And they still mad, cause we still here. My name is Pete, and I'm one half of the Foxborough Fellas podcast, and weekly you can catch Marlon and I discuss your New England Patriots right here on the Boston Sports Entertainment Network. So, Pete, when's the next episode coming out? Uh, game Sunday, 1 o'clock against the Chiefs. Um, we're going to be getting together Tuesday night to record it, so you can catch it Tuesday night. Wednesday morning, if you're driving into work, make sure you uh, stream us on Apple, Spotify, really all the major streaming platforms. If you're able to sit at home and relax, you can catch us on, up on YouTube. Um, but during the episode, we plan to break down the Chiefs game. What happens? Do we win an upset uh, or do we take the L and uh, help the tank watch? Speaking of the tank watch, Patriots are looking at a top three pick right now. So we'll discuss who we think should go there. Um, we've been discussing it each week, but we need to follow up because each week it can change depending on who's in, who's out and who wins and who loses. Tom E. Curran with some breaking news. If you can call it news, I really hate when news and speculation are intertwined with each other. Uh, he came out with an article this week speculating that Bill Belichick will be out at the end of the year and that this was already decided after the Colts game. Uh, I can't imagine Kraft walked up to Tom E. Curran and said, hey, do you want to know something, Tom? And then said all of that. So it's got to be speculation. He says, she said, if you've ever played the game telephone, it never uh, comes out right on the other side. So I can't imagine that's exactly what's going on, but we'll discuss all of that. Um, also, we'll look into the Broncos game, which is the game after the Chiefs when we're airing. We'll have already played the Chiefs game, so we'll be taking you into the look ahead on the Broncos. Um, like I said, catch us on YouTube and all the other streaming platforms. So where can we find you on social media, Pete? Um, if you want to see more of this pretty face, uh, I've been posting on TikTok. Really, anywhere you want to go, it's just at Fox Fellas Pod, F-O-X, Fellas, F-E-L-L-A-S, Pod, P-O-D. Um, you can look for us on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook coming soon. We have an Instagram. We're not too active on there quite yet, but we're still up and coming. So check us out on there. Um, also, 
we're looking to build a community of Patriots fans um, and a community on Substack where we write articles. Uh, weekly, I'll be writing a betting article, um, giving you a preview into the next game, looking at the over-under, looking at some prop bets, giving you my take on the game uh, and some trends going into the game and what you can expect. Um, others are writing reviews of the articles, but really whatever you want. Um, I wrote an article on the 2001 uh, Patriots Super Bowl win earlier today, just kind of reliving the glory days in a season that um, there's not much to look forward to. Uh, if you do want to write, feel free to reach out to us. Again, foxfellaspod, uh, but this time at gmail.com. Feel free to submit your articles as long as they're on the Patriots um, and they're appropriate. We're posting them, man. Uh, we want to build a nice community where you can share your thoughts, even if we disagree with them strongly, and that's what the comment section is for. So, Pete, why don't you give us an update on the team thus far this season? Uh, do I have to? Um, all right. They're 3-10, uh, and 10, uh, eliminated from the playoffs. Not typically what you're talking about uh, when you're talking about um, the, the New England Patriots. Um, so, bad year, uh, off year, but um, that doesn't mean we can't rebound. Um, and that's exactly what we're looking to do next year. So a lot of our talk and a lot of the Patriots focus is really on what is the future of the New England Patriots. Um, and that top three pick uh, and tank watch is really something that we're focused. When I say tank watch, I mean losing games in order to get a better draft pick. That's what, you know, what we're talking about here. Uh, and we can tanks uh you know mac mac jones a lot for that because he really put us in this position and uh bailey zappy might just pull us out he might be decent enough to actually you know ruin some of our draft pick and i say ruin because at this point where you're eliminated from the playoffs do you really want to win meaningless games uh it's hard for football players who are putting their body on the line to go out there and not give it their all um so you really can't expect like the defense to lay down or an offense to lay down out there but um, you know, it, it is going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. I tweeted, um, wouldn't it be funny if Bill knows he is going to be fired and that Tommy Curran article is true. Wouldn't it be funny to see him like win out and just like F over the Patriots and say, oh yeah, now you, now you're picking seventh and I want to, uh, have a nice day. I'm going to go coach the chargers now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the end of the season all plays out. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch the Chiefs game, especially after Mahomes' little baby temper tantrum uh, with Kadarius Tony at the end of the end of the last game for lining up offsides for like what looked like the fourth. If you looked at it, uh, I think um, Pat McAfee did a, a rewind and he lined up offsides a bunch that game. It wasn't his only one, so you got to think he was warned and it was just the final straw. I mean, stand on sides. It's pretty simple. Just back it up, buddy. Um, so I would have been pretty pissed too, but to do it like when you know you're on camera is a little bit different than to do it uh, like, you know, if you're on a high school football field or something like that. So um, Mahomes needs to know what kind of stage he's on. Uh, the line, uh, speaking of betting, and you can read the article, it'll be coming out. Um, it came out Saturday night. So uh, take a look for it. Um, but the line moved two points in the Patriots' favor. So is Vegas gaining a little faith? They getting zappy fever? Will Mahomes be able to cool them off? Um, we we uh we can look into all of that in that article. Um, Juju used to play for the Chiefs. Do we have a redemption redemption game on our hands? Uh, that's going to be something interesting to look ahead. You always like when some, when a player has a little bone to pick and and, and can go out there and grind an axe and and maybe uh you know break a tackle and gain an extra 10, 15 yards. You never know. So uh, a couple of things to look forward to in the Chiefs game. 
Um, at this point, where you're out of the playoffs, maybe uh, a loss wouldn't be that bad, but we will see. Um, that does it for me uh, and the New England Patriots wrap-up. Thanks, Pete. And now we're going to bring in the other half of the Foxborough Fellas podcast, the MC. Marlon, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? So we have a, we had a quick question in the comments here. Uh, back it up, binge podcast. They they want to sit there and uh, they want to talk about will Bill retire or is he going to go for Don Shula's record? So what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's a record this uh, there's a reason this record has stood for so long because it's such a difficult thing to do. You know, the NFL stands for not for long, and that doesn't have to do with just players; it has to do with coaches as well. So. The fact that he is that Belichick has been able to keep this standard, this, this the Patriots way standard as high and as long as he has done is already a feat in itself. You know, he's already in the Hall of Fame. He's already going to be doing all this amazing stuff. The one thing that he has not done is gone after and he has not been able to get that record. Uh, if we were having a decent year this year, I'm thinking if we're sitting at like seven and six, even six and seven, you know, he's doing pretty well. Uh, maybe maybe crack gives him the benefit of the doubt and allows him to try to fight out and try to receive that and try to get that record, try to get that accolade. But and if you're only winning three games a year, it's going to take too long to get that record. That's that's not a that's not a viable option. But then the other side of that is that you don't want to see Belichick end up going somewhere like everybody keeps saying the Chargers. You know, it would be really really like a gut punch to the organization to see crap to see crap allow him to go off. And he goes to the Chargers and ends up breaking Shuba's record for the LA Chargers, not the New England Patriots. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. I I personally don't think that Bill truly cares about the record. If you're going to boil it down, he's never been a big person who like runs for accolades and runs for awards and honors and stuff like that. To me, he just doesn't. He does, he's never struck me as that kind of a guy. So personally, I think he'll either retire, be fired, or just say, you know, screw all this. I'm going to go home <laughs> before he gets all the way to the the record, assuming he doesn't come back next year for the Patriots, which, like uh, Pete was saying, is apparently now a, a hardcore rumor swirling around. Well, okay, Marler, what do you think? You sit there and bring him back. Do you bring him back as both? What would you prefer him, you know, bring him back as just one, you know, a GM uh, let him go for the coaching and bring in a GM. You know, well, what are your thoughts and what do you want to see them do with Bill? Well, first of all, I don't believe in the whole having someone be a head coach and GM at the same time. Anyway, I don't give a shit who you are. I don't want the, I don't want one person to make all the decisions. You have to have someone there to have a check and balance. You have to have someone to say, Hey, maybe not go after this guy. Maybe I go after this guy, because if you're the man, if you're the GM and the head coach, there's no one there to say no to your shitty idea. There's no one to do anything. You have to have that check and balance. Uh, personally, if he was going to come back, I would rather go after an actual GM next year, uh, let him come back in, in coach. But he's as a GM, he's just missed way too many good picks in the draft. He's just he's absolutely terrible in the draft. I don't I don't know what he does or how he gets his research or anything like that. But he's missed so many incredible player names by drafting shit players in front of him. So. You know, just this past draft, he traded up to draft a kicker in the fourth round. Nobody does that for a reason. Nobody does that. You know, some of the greatest kickers in the, in the game were not drafted that early on in the draft. It just doesn't happen. 
So it's just it's it's he's he's done too many mistakes as a GM in my opinion. He's a great coach. He's a, he's the greatest coach that ever lived at this point. Just statistically, he is. He's got the most amount of rings. He's got more rings than I think every organization other than maybe the Steelers. So, mm-hmm. you know, at that point, you can't question him. But at the same time, he's missed too much in the draft. I would rather bring in. Uh, I'd rather go out and I would I would look for someone who has done really well in the draft in the last three to four years. You want someone more recent, and I and I would try to go after either a director of player personnel or an assistant GM, someone who's in an organization that knows how to draft. Pull them in, get their expertise into the into the club. Let them duke it out behind closed doors between him, Kraft, and Belichick, and just see how well the organization can turn around. Because it only takes one good year in the draft turn things around. We saw the Cincinnati Bengals when they got in Joe, uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They turned that shit around and they were in you know, the AFC Championship game the next year. So it's 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 crazy how quickly things can change for you if you have a really good draft. Top three guys are on the board. Patriots got a top three pick right now. Who would you prefer that they take with the number one pick overall? This is this, it ruffles some feathers whenever we did it last time, but I don't want Caleb Williams or Drake May. I don't want either one of them. Uh, Caleb Williams has got too much baggage behind him. That whole shit with I want to be part owner of the team. No, you don't get to be part owner of a team. You haven't even stepped foot on an NFL field yet. You know, it, it was rumored whenever Aaron Rodgers was in the trade negotiations going over to New York from Green Bay that he wanted a percentage of the New York um, ownership. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but they said no to him. They said no to Aaron Rodgers, who is a future Hall of Famer, two-time uh, he's a two-time MVP, Super Bowl champion. If anybody in the league would have been given the ability to own ownership in a team that they were playing on, it would have been Aaron Rodgers. And they said no. Now th- that, that's just speculation. I don't know if that actually happened, but to me, if someone like Aaron Rodgers isn't even getting that, you're a rookie who hadn't even set foot on a f- NFL field. Why the hell are you asking for shit like that? That's that's not something you need to be doing. Uh, for Drake May, uh, I <laughs> North Carolina quarterbacks don't really have a good history as of right now. Uh, I mean, Mitch Trubisky kind of shit the bed whenever he came in. Uh, Drake May is a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think that he's this, you know, franchise-defining, you know, amazing person. Because in my opinion, you know, I'm the I'm the college football guy of the Foxborough fellas as opposed to Pete. If they were really this good their teams would have better records. <laughs> they would at least one of them would be in the playoff or at least the New Year's six ball, let alone the bullshit that they're in. So I don't, I don't feel that these guys are this incredible team, like this, this incredible, like world beating quarterbacks. Uh, I personally, like, like we did on our, our mock draft, I would like us to go after a veteran quarterback in free agency. My, my pick personally would be Kirk cousins. Uh, and then next year, draft a quarterback in the first or second round, let him sit behind Kirk Cousins for a year and build up the weapons around him. So I would go after Marvin Harrison Jr. myself. That's That that would be my pick. If we're in the top two or three, I would go after Harrison because that joker right there is truly a the generational type player. I mean, just an absolute stud. And having a number one wide receiver is something that the Patriots have sorely lacked for a long time. We haven't had uh, – to me, I don't think – since Julian Edelman, we haven't had a definitive number one overall 
go-to clutch guy. Like, you know, when your back's against the wall and you've got, you know, six seconds up on the clock, you need one guy to go up there and get the damn ball. We haven't had this since Julian Edelman, in my opinion. So we need someone who, who can do that. And in my opinion, Marvin Harrison would fit that void perfectly. Well, Marlon, uh, Justin, he definitely agrees with you. He's saying Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, you know, he also sat there and said the ACC has a bad history in the NFL, which is, you know, pretty true overall. So uh, I, I will sit there and touch real quick. Uh, but make sure you guys check out the Foxborough Fellows. They're on iTunes, Spotify, and they're on YouTube. Uh, there was a lot of you guys were talking about with Sarah this past episode uh, with people, you know, staying and transferring for that money. A lot of people are, are, are doing that now. You guys were touching. Could Marvin Harrison Jr. Be, do the same thing? Guys, check out their podcast right now. Uh, find out what Marlon and Pete and Sarah said about it. Uh, and, you know, find out for yourself and, and, and come up with your own conclusion. So, Marlon, uh, it was great sitting there and having you on. Uh, we're going to bring you back out at the end of the show. Uh, next up, after this quick commercial break, we're going to be bringing in the newest podcast that on Monday night drops their first episode, Dynasty Proud, covering our Boston Celtics. Uh, we'll be right back after this uh, quick commercial break. We're back, and we got our two faces of Dynasty Proud. We've got Alex. We've got Jason. Guys, what's going on, man? How you guys doing? Good. How are you? Doing Not doing bad. great. Just actually got back from Boston right now. I was at three games this week, so it's been a week. But three victories, so we're doing well. So uh, I, I'm going to let the floor, you know, uh, over to you guys to talk about, you know, the Celtics this season. Alex, your experiences there. Uh, man, those seats were freaking great, man. I, I see, I seen the videos. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, fortunate to be 100 level for all three. My friend has season tickets, so where I sat last night was in section six. Um, but the previous two nights, I ended up getting them last minute. I was actually at the greatest bar on Thursday with no intention to go to the game that night. And then I'm just like, you know, let me just see what the tickets look like right now. And I saw, you know, I was in the fourth row behind the court. Um, and it was a reasonable figure. And I'm like, you know, I'm in Boston. I'm not here every day. So let's just pull the trigger on it. So it was great. You get to see those interactions up close. And I actually got to meet Derek White at a meet and greet this week as well. So it was a very Celtics filled week. Great week. Jason, uh, you know, you, you got to see all the videos because Al Alex was throwing those videos to us, you know, left and right. Uh, yeah. You know, well, what, what were your thoughts on the games that happened this week? 
and uh, you know the season that's going on. So I mean, the Celtics right now are doing uh, unbelievable. I mean, this week they went three and zero, beat the Cavs twice, beat the Magic in a back to back on Friday. I think one of the biggest things when I watched them this week was seeing them be able to take care of a team in a uh, playoff setting almost. So like the Cavs came to them on Tuesday, they took care of them. Uh, you got a break on Wednesday, then they came back again on Thursday, and seeing them be able to you know beat them in sort of like a, a back to back uh, stage was uh, you know positive to see. And then seeing them take care of the Magic on Friday, um, you know, with guys hurt, guys out, you know, was a positive sign. But I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed this season compared to last season is uh, Tatum and Brown's uh, ball movement. Uh, last year, uh, Tatum would only, like, take the ball up, and then um, uh, Brown would, uh, you know, they'd, like, alternate, you know. Uh, so it was, you know, weird to see, I guess, like, having them do the thing. So for me, I feel like it's having like a true quarterback as well as in Drew Holiday. As much as we love Marcus Smart and he played that role, Joe, Drew Holiday and Derek White are perfect for this offense and running the offense and getting the ball to Jalen and Jason in the right spots to be able to be successful versus just, you know, having them dribble themselves, getting trapped by two or three defenders. And I feel like they've both been willing to make the right pass this year, Tatum and Brown. They haven't been stat focused or centric as much as the past few years. Tatum, for example, we've had 24 games. He's only scored 30 points 10 times out of 24 games. But, I mean, he's, his efficiency is in career highs. He's getting good looks as opposed to, you know, going isolation heavy, forcing shots, and it's resulting in more victories, and it's a more fluid offense. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about winning and about doing the right things. And he's fertile enough in his career right now where at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you know, I've gotten my 30 points, but, you know, I want to win. I want to win championships and, you know, get everybody else involved, make the right pass, make the right play. If someone's open, you know, if it's Hauser, if it's Pritchard, who actually have been, you know, revelations this year, shooting the ball, um, it's all towards the team's success. Uh, what What were your guys' thoughts off season? You know, Jalen uh, Brown, massive contract. What, what were your guys' thoughts, Jason? I mean, I thought he deserved it. I thought – you know, you weren't going to be able like to trade him, you know, somewhere and get like a, a comparable package. Cause I think he only had one year left on his last deal. So like, you weren't really going to get fair value. So I always thought like they had to bring him back and give him his money. And it turns out, you know, they made the correct decision in doing so. Alex, what so, about you? So for Jalen Brown, I mean, a lot of people, you had the narratives this summer just because everybody watched game seven of the conference finals. And that was, you know, their only visual of Jalen Brown. So it was the can't go left. You know, like, this is how he does in big games. Forgetting, you know, the prior year, had they won the title, he would have been finals MVP. He was our best player in the finals. He was second team All-NBA last year. He scored 27 points a night as a second option. For large stretches of the season, he was our best player. So, yeah, I mean, he's not the perfect player. He has, you know, areas of opportunity. But, I mean, he's very important to what the team does. And as what Jason said, I mean, you weren't going to get fair value. He only had one year left in his contract. And you can't – you couldn't have risked going into the year in a walk year – because if you needed to move him, you were going to get fair value. And it was too big of a risk to just let him go into next offseason being a free agent. Because at that point, yeah, you could still pay him the most. But then, you know, he could someone could come overboard and be like, you know, we really want you. You're going to be our number one option. And it's just too risky of a move. So it was a move they had to make. And it's still for people that are like, well, it's, you know, the most the highest paid contract in NBA history. He'll never be the highest paid player. There's already a few other players, Anthony Davis and others that will be making more starting next year. And it was only because it was his turn to get paid, and he was the only one eligible at the time. So they had to make the move. It was a good business decision. You keep the asset. 
And, you know, hopefully they win the championship. He'll, you know, retire with Tatum down the road in Boston. But if it doesn't happen, you could always move him. You know, it's 20. He just turned 28. He's a two-way player, one of the best wings in the NBA. Um, so it's it was a great move in my decision. You had to pay him. Oh, man. Last night, the highlights of him just going full throttle was ridiculous. So a uh, quick question. Stevens, do you think? And he put all the chips in like this is a winner win it all or, you know, we're going to break it all down uh, type of thing. Uh, Jason, what are you thinking? I, I think this year you have to he pushed everything in the middle of the table for Chris Dapps. You know, he broke up the core, traded Marcus Smart, um, trade Rob Williams, another guy that he really coveted for Drew Holiday. And it, it, this is now or never. I mean, this team with the new CBA and the new rules for contracts and max players, like this year, and I think they may have next year, is their small window to be able to go out and get Banner 18. Because after that, with contracts and money, it makes it so tough to be able to keep Derek White, Drew Holiday. You're going to pay Tatum the same amount of money as Brown or even probably 20 to 40 million more. So it's it's this year and next year for this team to get Banner 18. I think they're absolutely all in. Now, they're not all in a way of like, you know, everybody's in their contract here. These are old players like, the, you know, the big three Celtics on their last leg, so to speak. But, you know, you can tell like the moves he made, this was the team was already close, but you could tell that, you know, they were missing something. And Kristaps just unlocks a whole new element on offense that we didn't have before. You know, he's just a guy, he's unguardable. He's doing step backs from 30 um, in the post. I mean, who do you put on him? You can't block his shot. He's a rim protector, just like Rob, but he spaces the floor so much, which opens things up driving lanes. Um, but yeah, with Drew Holiday as well. So he is an old contract here. They could always extend him. They've already extended Porzingis for two additional years after this year. So it's about a two to three year window. Wick did say six years. And I mean, that's if, you know, you keep Tatum, you keep Brown and you reload around them. But I think they're all in, which also makes me think that they're going to be active at the deadline. They still do have chips. They have a few draft picks that they can move. What I would like to see is them to get another scoring guard off the bench. Like somebody like Malcolm Brogdon actually would have been perfect off of our bench right now. You know, Peyton Pritchard is playing that role and, you know, it's, He's doing his best. He's been shooting really well as of late. Um, he is undersized, but there is, I think, another you know move to fall um, to happen at the deadline. But, I mean, he's built the perfect roster, uh, in my opinion. It's the best roster in the NBA. Well, it's the best one through six in the NBA, the best starting five. And in the playoffs, because everyone talks about, oh, the Celtics don't have a bench, where if you've been watching them lately, the bench has really stepped up. But in the playoffs, you're looking at a seven, eight-man rotation. And we have the best one through six. So, you know, getting someone like a Caruso, if he's available, getting a Lonnie Walker, someone like that, you know, to plug and play as along with Sam Hauser, who's a sniper who gets, you know, these great looks and he's just an assassin. I really like where we're at right now. Uh, do, do we get a, a big, another big man at the trade deadline? Jason, what are you thinking? I mean, Right now, I kind of like Luke Cornett's game, but at the same time, I can definitely see them going out and maybe getting another like vet guy, uh, like Tristan Thompson, maybe. Um, or I, but like to me, I really think we need a guy like Lonnie Walker. Um, just watching what he's done with the Nets and how like he could bring like another element to a scoring off of our bench. I know Pritchard's playing pretty well, but that's kind of like the direction that I personally would go in. Um, now KP and injury history, obviously you got to like take an account for that because can you count on them to be available for every single game in the playoffs or even for the, like the rest of the year? Like you can't really. So I guess in theory you would need another big, but right now I think it'd be a scoring point guard off the bench. Alex, what about you? I absolutely agree. And those are the two names that I, you know, came across too: uh, Lonnie Walker and Caruso. 
you know, a spark plug off the bench, instant offense, obviously with the theme of the Celtics, a guy that is a two-way player, which is someone like Caruso, you know, as much like fits better what we do, but a scoring guard offense off the bench is I think the crucial one. Um, having another big, someone maybe like an Andre Drummond, someone that can spell some minutes would be useful. I mean, Cornette has been great, but as, again, like Jason said, how much can you trust him in the playoffs? Now, who knows what minutes he'd be coming in, but, you know, it comes in on a five-minute stretch. But that five-minute stretch, if you have an Embiid or a Giannis in there, it's really, you know, it would be difficult for him. But I'd say scoring guard and then, you know, a big man to pick up some load. I even think it'd be more for the regular season that they would need the additional big man so they can, you know, spell Porzingis, Al Horford. Because at the end of the day, it's about winning in the playoffs. So you want them to be rested. So if that means, you know, come down the stretch of the season, you know, you're giving Porzingis a few games off. You're already not playing Al on back-to-backs. That's where I think the additional big man will be useful. But come playoff time, we're really going to need the scoring guard off the bench. Last thing I'm going to ask you guys before we move on, who's the team in the East that's going to give us the most problems? Jason? I still think it's the Bucs. Um, you know, we've always had great matchups with them in the playoffs. Giannis is a freak. They got Damian Lillard, who adds another element to their scoring. Now, their defense obviously does take a huge hit with them not having Drew. But I, I saw a rumor, and I think, you know, they could be after a Marcus Smart type of player at the deadline if maybe uh, Memphis falls apart even more. They got a ton of injuries over there in Memphis, so, and things aren't going great. So if they get another guy like Marcus or someone that can be a defensive brower on the on that side of the ball – it's going to be tough for us. So I, right now I would say Milwaukee for me. So to piggyback off of Jason, if they were to acquire a Marcus smart, then I think Milwaukee is absolutely the team that would be the toughest, but given the current rosters independent of records, just from having seen it up close and personal the last few years, I think it has to be for me, Miami, no matter what their record is, no matter where they finish in the standings, if they're still hanging around Spolster, I trust more than any other coach in there, Jimmy Butler, more than the other stars. They're just like how we've always matched up so well with Milwaukee and they can't guard us. Uh, Miami just matched up very well with us. So uh, Miami, yeah. So I would say that's my answer currently, unless anything changes, you know, who knows what happens at the deadline. Levine's going to be on the move. Um, although I don't know how much he really changes. Maybe a different scenery will bring out a better side of him. Um, if Donovan Mitchell ended up getting moved to a, a Miami or a Marcus Smart to Milwaukee, that can change things. But as currently constructed, the Heat. Okay. Well, guys, we're going to bring you guys right back on at the end of the show for your final thoughts. Uh, guys, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait for uh, Monday night. You guys drop your first episode, Dynasty Proud. So, But next up, uh, we, we, got, we don't have a name for the podcast yet because in the last 24 hours, we just went and picked up two guys to cover our Boston Bruins. And after a quick commercial break, we're going to bring them right back on. But Jason, Alex, thanks, and I'll see you in a few. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
Welcome back, guys. And we have with us one half of the guys that's going to be covering our Boston Bruins. We have with us Pat Burke right now. Uh, the His co-host uh, will be Ryan. He's not here today. But Pat, man, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, my guy? Really, uh, really pumped to be a part of this. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a uh, shame Ryan couldn't be here tonight, prior commitments and 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 what it is. But uh, no, looking forward to uh, really, really covering these Bruins through through this year and, and into the future with you. Uh. So let's uh, let's start off about let's talk about. Uh, man, it kind of kind of hurt me last year. The heartache of last spring. So let's start there, man. Well, what do you think went on? Like they were on a mission throughout the season, but then when playoff time came, man, that team just couldn't do it. I I don't think there's a single sport in the world, period, that can be as as streaky as as hockey. You know, whether it's with injuries or a hot goaltender, like whatever it is, we. Year after year, you see, I mean, there's a reason that the, the the President's Trophy, quite honestly, means nothing, right? When was the last time a President's Trophy winner won won the Cup? It, it it's so rare. Uh, I will say, you know, following that team as hard as I did and as hard as I do all last year, it was the best I had felt since like 2013 when we collapsed in in 19 seconds against Chicago. Uh, really, really, really thought they had it. Um, but when, when, when you kind of do the postmortem and you look at it in the off season, a, a lot of the issues were, were kind of papered over with, with how, how good they were during the regular season, you know, yet again, you had, you had Bergeron hurt in the playoffs. That's what, like the fifth year in a row, you know, he, and, and the guys, the guys, a trooper is Boston legend. One of my favorite players, like hands down, cannot deny that, but the guy gets hurt in the spring. Uh, you know, and, and he plays through it. And that's, and that's, you know, the, the toughness that so few athletes across other sports have the stones to be able to do. I mean, how many, how many, how many other, you know, whether it's soccer, baseball, football, you know, guy plays on a broken, you know, Gregory Campbell playing on a broken leg, you know, you know Patrice Bergeron playing with a punctured lung. Like you don't see that in any other sport, right? But it, it affects the way they play. You know, he sat out a couple games against Florida forced, forced people that that were like oh my god like all right so we don't have it you know third and fourth line can't score anything it's all right bergie pasta marsh they're gonna figure it out well you you take one person out you have to shuffle things around doing that in the playoffs is almost impossible you know and and then add that to the fact that we run up against a goalie who you know yeah he had had a vezina winning year in 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 Bobrovsky for for Columbus, but he hadn't been anything special. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh my god, this guy just doesn't let anything in. And our number one playmaker is out. And Marshawn and Bergeron are, or Pasternak and Marshawn are playing like Bergeron's in there, and and they just don't have it. So it, it it's one of those in the moment. I was having a full on breakdown watching it happen is how do these this this team that put up record number of points record goals all of this how can they not find the net and i i almost attributed the lack of adversity almost faced throughout the year meant that they maybe maybe the locker they didn't know how to pull it together when when they needed to and and certain guys you know didn't didn't have the edge you know the the, the sharpness the form if you will um and and so afterwards, when you look at it, it's almost yeah. Of course, they come up against a hot goalie, 
their number one, you know, the guy that makes everything tick is out. Can you really be all that surprised that, that it didn't tick exactly? You know, nobody, you don't want to hear it, especially as a fan, you're, you're like, Oh my God, I don't get it. But you know, the, the, the Bergeron piece, especially in the playoffs the last couple of years is his health was always kind of a thing. And the team working so one dimensionally through him, in my opinion, ended up being what, what kind of cost them overall. Yeah. Uh, so, so what were your, what were your thoughts on losing him, you know, this past season? I, I think, and, and we'll cover this in a bit. I think it probably hurt as a fan more than anything, right? You know, it, it, it as, as somebody that that's watched him, you know, for 12, 14, 14, 15 years, you know, and, and him loving Boston and being in Boston and being a Bruin and never wanting to go anywhere else, never wanted to play anywhere. We could forgive the fact that he was from Montreal because of how much he bled for the spoke B literally. Um, I, I think it hurt the fans the, the most. And I think you kind of look at the way this team, you know, he, he did it somewhat early in the off season, kind of let, you know, we reports have come out that he kind of talked to people and, and we're like, I, I, I don't think I'm gearing up for another year. I don't think it's going to happen. So I think the locker room honestly probably had it a little longer than we did on the outside. Um, and, and I think it, it kind of triggered a, okay, we're losing the face of the franchise. The guy, you know, Bruins don't have a lot of captains. When, when we name them to be a captain, they're usually there for a long time. We're losing Bergeron after a year of, of, of the C. Okay. Now, now what do we do? And it, it, they, they made some key acquisitions in the off season. They brought in some vets, you know, James Van Rien today, who had been a Bruins killer in the past. You know, you bring in Kevin Shattenkirk, you got these, these, this leadership element to go with our existing, we're Boston leadership. You, know, you, you got Marshan, you got you know young guys that are are taking leadership roles early. You know, and and, and Charlie McAvoy pairing the two of them, or the, or the four of them, if you will, you know, in in that locker room early, kind of gave you the opera, gave the Bruins the opportunity to okay, media's writing us out. You know, this is the first time in in a long time that, that the Boston Bruins are being just written out like, oh, they're going to be bought seller dwellers. You know, don't expect much from them. Okay. All right. They don't think we can do it without this guy. All right. We can either capitulate and, and, and not waste a season, but, you know, go through a middling Ottawa Senator-like season, or we can, we can put in the work in the, we can, we can get, find some chemistry. We can work harder. We can hustle hard. We can hit harder. You know, a lot of the things that make good playoff teams come from, you don't have all these superstars. You have four lines of, of grinders that, that want nothing more than to leave it out there because nobody's expecting anything. They are not getting any of this superstar treatment, anything like that. And, and I think we've seen that materialize over the course of the first quarter of this season where the Bruins are the second best record in the NHL. Like it, nobody saw that coming. It It's not, you know, they're like, we're, we're missing the, what anybody outside of this area would consider to be the number one guy. You know, if, if the Oilers lose Connor McDavid, does anybody expect anything from them? No. 
Not saying, you know, maybe Patrice isn't as, as much of a goal scoring threat as Connor McDavid, but he certainly is the heart and soul of a team the way McDavid is up in there in, in Edmonton. So I, I think it really speaks to the locker room culture that, that the vets brought in that Jim Montgomery has said, Hey, nobody cares, work harder. And they've rallied to that. And they, you know, he's given opportunities to young guys and throughout the first quarter of the season, we've seen those guys either were ready to step up or have decided, well, I've got no choice but to step up. And they're off and running. They're 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 skating harder than I've seen them skate in God, maybe 10 years now. They're they're hitting harder, they're defending one another in ways that just we haven't seen in a long time. And and to me, that gets back to what the Boston Bruins franchise always has been. You know, we might not be the most skilled, but we will knock your teeth out night in, night out, and we will just outwork you and grind away a result. And that's exactly what they're doing. Uh one final thing I want to ask you, the first 20 games, you know, what were your thoughts on that so far? It's, it's, you almost kind of take it. I, I, I was certainly taking it with, with almost five grains of salt. Yeah. You know, I was expecting the, the, the floor is going to collapse at some point. Like this team has no business contending or, or, or being in these games with these, with these teams that they are. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you go back and, you you dive into some of the deeper box scores and you're like, no, it's, it's, they're, they're getting even distribution of ice time. They're getting, they're out hitting, they're out working everyone. And that is, is something that's not usually seen from teams that are, that are, are, have, have this kind of record. Usually it's like, Oh my, yeah, they're, they're working really hard, but it, it still doesn't shake out. They're getting top end goaltending. You know, they're, they're, Jeremy Swayman is is a a top tier guy. And the fact that they were able to somehow keep Swayman happy while keeping Allmark happy, the fact that they have this great relationship means they've got a chance in every single game. We're seeing you know Pavel Zaka, who yeah was drafted as a first round talent, never really materialized into that. Bruins get him; he's you know mid mid second line, third line kind of guy, still not showing up, having a great year now on injury reserve. Charlie McAvoy really running the risk of falling into that Bergeron. Oh my God, this guy's made of, of glass at certain point, but he's so good. We got guys stepping up and, and that, that kind of system in, in my opinion comes from, from the top down when it went, you know, the, the, the coach kind of puts the onus on the players of accountability to one another. And, and in hockey, I think that's so, so important when, when every guy can look down the bench and be like that guy We'll go to war for me. This guy, I will go to war for him. It's no, it's no, it, 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 it it's no bigger than in hockey, in in my opinion. I, I really think that this team has kind of come together, galvanized with whether it's it's built bulletin board material from the media saying you guys are going to finish in last place and and you know that's that's where you're meant to be. You know, trade Pasternak while you while you can and, and rebuild around that. These guys said no, absolutely not. I am just as good as any other guy in this league and they're going out and they're proving it. You know, we got, we got young guys that have the confidence, you know, confidence that you only really see in young soccer stars overseas. So it's like, how is this 17 year old showing up? You know, it's, it's belief. I think they believe. I, and I think that, that in that first initial stretch, they kind of prove to one another, like, Hey, no, this, if we actually keep doing what we're doing, 
we actually can do this. And if we can make the dance in, in the spring, maybe it's still is maybe it's still is a one, two seed. Maybe it's farther down. Who knows? You know, there's a lot of volatility in injuries play a factor, but in hockey, all you have to do is make the dance. And then you just have to hope that your goaltender gets hot and that somebody else gets hurt. And for years, I think the Bruins have been the one that have been bit by the, the injury bug. Plus the, where the hell did our goalie go kind of thing. And you know, this year might be the year. Well, Pat, guys, make sure you you sit there and stick around. We will be having a Bruins podcast. We're in the works, but for right now, we got Pat and his co-host Ryan, who's not here. Uh, just wait, be patient. We're gonna get something. It's coming. Out there it's for it, you. it's coming this week. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get it to you guys this week. So. But uh, Pat, thanks for coming on. We're going to put you in the back. You'll be back uh, for our for our final thought. Up next, after this quick commercial break, we've got the Pesky Podcast. Shot to right, slicing toward the Pesky pole down the line. It's going to be a Line down the right field line toward the Pesky pole. Leaping up. Pesky pole, that one tucked in, and that ball is going to be against the wall and into second base. Number retired, and now Rafael Devers trying to retire that baseball inside a pesky pole. Man, what's going on? Uh, we got the OG and DC. Guys, what's going on, man? Uh, Red Sox news. You know, it's kind of been, you know, the same old, same old overall. Uh, you know, we've talked about the Tyler O'Neill trade last week. Uh, we've got, this, you know, the Smash Brothers out there with Jaron Duran and Tyler O'Neill with our man Yoshi. Uh, but, man, what? let's sit there and talk about the, the, the rumblings of the Yamamoto. Uh, George, let's start with you. You know, 300 plus, uh, we're what, one of three or four teams still in? Yeah, that leaked out today. <clears throat> I mean, it's hard on Twitter. Um, there's the, the guy who we did um, has had a so-so record on being right. But, yeah, I mean, 300, I think we all knew that that's where the number was going to be. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's, I'm going to guess it's somewhere between 300 325, and we'll see what happens. And, uh you know, how, how do you structure the deal? You know, does he want to play with his uh, his old teammate, you know, from the from the Buffaloes in Japan? We'll see. But, you know, this this has been this has been the yo-yo that the offseason has been. Nothing much happened at the at the uh, winter meetings. Uh, you know, then you have the Soto trade. Then you got, uh, you know, you get some, some bits here and there. But it's, it, it's been like unbelievably quiet this week after after Otani signed. So, you know, Yamamoto was the next big piece to fall. DC, uh, what are your thoughts? And do you really think that Breslow's all in on Yamamoto? I mean, my thoughts are, I mean, I'm glad to see some life in him. Obviously, you know, I'm sick of seeing it, but, you know, full throttle. You know, that's what they said. That's what they fed to us after the season. So it's good to see some life. Um, I think he's all in. Um, I might be a little, you know, too positive there, but I was just talking when we, we were all talking before the show started, Pat and I were mentioning, throw him the bag, man. 
give him what he wants, you know, give him 300, 350, give him an opt out after, you know, seven years, get a 10 year deal. I think you need to make a move like that. I think uh, that's the last domino to fall before it really, you know, sets off the rest of the, uh, the off season as far as signings. Um, but yeah, man, you, you got to make this move. If not, you really got to pivot and uh, either make a trade for a big starter um, you're going to really lose this fan base. I've been trying to stay patient. Obviously, you can scroll on Twitter, and uh, it's pretty gloom out there in Red Sox Nation. And honestly, it's I get it, you know, but uh, this this will be the telltale sign if we're really all in, like they say we are. Uh, quick question. Do you think if we are, are all in and say we, we went 310, 320, 325, like, you know, George was saying, and he decides to take this, you know, take somewhere else, you know, that offer him the same amount of money. Do do we sit there and do you think it's still Breslow's fault? Or, you know, do, do we sit there and say, hey, he tried, you know, let's see who he's going for next. Yeah, I don't I don't think it would be his fault. As long as you're putting effort in there, if you're offering that kind of money, then uh, I think you're doing everything you can to, to please the uh to please the fan base um you know if they're offered them anywhere from three to 350 because they said 300 plus that could mean anything i mean obviously it's probably towards the lower side but as these these negotiations go on and you're you know you're trying to bid other teams i think it's going to hit around 325 350. um i think he has to you can't blame that on him you know he's, he's putting all his chips in that you know pushing it all in um you know if it comes down to preference you can't blame him for the makeup of the team you know what i mean if he's looking for a team that's going to win now right away and he doesn't pick the Red Sox. That's not Craig Breslow. I mean, he's only had so much time. Um, but I think uh, if it doesn't happen, but what you do after is going to, you know, tell a lot about Craig Breslow. George? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with DC. I mean, this this is not on Breslow. Plus, the other thing is, we don't know what's important to Yamamoto, okay? Um, does he want to be on the West Coast? Right. I mean, we, we don't know. I mean, you know, certainly Otani decided that West Coast was important to him. Uh, you know, what 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 is it? What makes him tick? All right. DC's point about does he want to win now? Well, the Red Sox may not be in that position just yet. Okay, but if they surround him with a couple of more starting pitchers like a Montgomery, go out and get a Corbin Burns or something like that, yeah, then they become a they become a huge force in the American in the American League. Let, let's face it; we all say, we all know their offense is great. We just don't know. And, and Yamamoto's controlled the entire message in all of this. He set the rules. He set it. He, he set it done. Um, I'm going to cover that in my column tomorrow. He he just you know there's no rhyme or reason to it, and. I think this, it's going to be a surprise one way or the other. Uh, we'll see. I'm glad to hear that they, with the Red Sox ponied up an offer of 300 plus. Uh, you can't blame him for that. At, you know, after that, you know, all the offers are on the table. It's the player and the agent. So you just, you know, you, you, you kind of, you know, pray and we'll see what happens. Uh, quick question for you guys. I'm kind of excited for it. The the a new uh spring training games where you know you're showing the younger talent on your team they're playing against each other how excited are you guys to you know to see well kind of last year in portland we've seen almost all of our top talent play together <laughs> at, at one time but how excited are you guys to, to see you know marcella meyer 
you know, Teal, Roman Anthony, you know, all these guys getting to play together in spring training now in, in kind of like a, an all-star game. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I think it's dope as hell. Um, you know, I think it's good for, you know, not only for the fans, but I think it's good for the game of baseball. You're getting those names out there. Um, it's good for the players. They get that exposure. Um, I just think it's a really good idea, um, you know, and, and the growth of the game. Yeah, I can't remember the last time that, you know, you could talk about top flight minor leagues with the Red Sox and have much more than one, maybe two. But, you know, you've got, you got Teal and Meyer and, um, you know, just, just, you know, let it, uh, this is a long litany of players that are going to be playing, if not in Boston and other, in other cities, uh, you know, in Roman Anthony, I mean, you know, we, he, he just, he just launched himself, you know, last year. So, you know, instead of having a one player, you know, you knew Tristan Casas was coming up. Everybody watched Rafi Devers come up, you know, you always had one, you've got a small army coming up and that's, you know, that will be, um, the legacy of Heim Bloom, the fact that he rebuilt the farm system in a relatively short period of time and drafted players who are going to make an impact. But yeah, it's going to be, it's exciting. I mean, it, it, I always look forward to spring training games and I, and I watch them to the end because I always want to see a kid, you know, and say, Hey, you know what? I, I see something in him or, you know, maybe this, this kid can make it, you know, uh, it, it's it's part of what spring training is, and it's fun. So, hey, I'm on board. So, uh, what? Okay, after Yamamoto, there was a a tweet, an article out there. If the Red Sox are not or don't get Yamamoto, they're going to turn and defer to get two out of these three: Giolito, uh, Montgomery, and. What is the other Japanese pitcher's name? I, I don't remember, I can't remember how to say it, but you guys know who I'm talking about. I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> but I know yeah. what you're talking about. I, no, I, I'm uh, not going to even try. Or something like that. So, so what two out of the three would you guys prefer to come to Boston if we're out on Yamamoto? I'd say uh, I don't want Giolito. I'd take the other two. Um, I think the, the, guy, the Japanese pitcher, the only thing that scares me is his velocity. He's not as high as I thought it was. Um, I see some different scouting reports that one sits low 90s, one sits uh, um, mid 90s. So I'm not sure about how that's going to translate. But if you know if you can control his pitches and you know pitch around the hits, uh, I think it works out. Giolito kind of scares me. I mean, he was he's only a couple years removed from you know having that. I think it was like three solid years. So it, it wouldn't be that bad. It just depends on the price. Yeah, I, I absolutely Montgomery uh, and. I'm with you on Giolito. Which one are you going to get? If you get the one from a couple of years ago, great. But boy, did he blow up after he got traded. And again, you know, he escaped the, you know, he escaped the blender, which is the Chicago White Sox. You know, he's probably suffering PTSD after sitting there for so long. And Yasanga, or however you pronounce it, right, I did it. You know, I'm going to butcher his name. Yeah, I mean, I supposedly he's got decent stuff. Um, you know, he's he's a, he's probably a good two option, you know, behind Yamamoto, but we'll see. But yeah, uh, Giolito, uh, uh, it's like that says stay away. Uh, the last question I'm going to ask you guys: Say you don't get Yamamoto, 
and you get Daisuke because he's pretty much Daisuke 2.0. You know, if you look at look at his pitches, like uh, like Pete uh, Pat said, and say you get Montgomery, do you go and continue like you what you said, and go the trade route to get a third pitcher to solidify that starting rotation with Bayo and I'm always going to be the man to push Cutter Crawford in there at the five spot. Uh, DC, what, what, uh, what are your thoughts on trading for the third? Yeah. I mean, you know, Bridgewood said he, he's looking at all avenues. He's not, he's not fine. I mean, he's not, he's okay with uh, sending out some prospects. Uh, if you're going to get a guy like Burns, I'm just afraid what that's going to cost. Obviously I'm all for that. Um, I know the Brewers came out recently and said that they're not looking to trade him, but is that more of a ploy to raise the price? Or is that, you know, how they really feel? But obviously, we know that relationship is pretty strained over there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think you definitely try to get more pitching. I think you do also have to solidify second base, you know, other things, kind of figure out what's going on with the DH. I know they said there, you know, there's reports about, you know, rotating guys through. Does that mean Justin Turner's off the, you know, you know off the menu? Um, I hope not. Obviously, I want him back in Boston. I think he was a huge part of that, that, off, or that team last year, huge leader in the clubhouse, which we lacked. And, I'm kind of afraid, you know, what happens if, you know, he doesn't come back. But, yeah, I think you you try to go in on pitching. You don't win championships without pitching. Obviously, you get those two guys, you're in a good spot. Um, you don't know, you know, what Chris Sale gives you. Does he get pushed out, like you said, with Crawford? Crawford's a serviceable, pitch, serviceable pitcher. Um, I mean, you you even said about him possibly leading the, the team in wins, and he wasn't too far off. Um, he's a solid dude to go out there, number five guy. But yeah, I think you ultimately try to go for uh, a trade. But like I said, it all depends on the price. George, yeah, I, you got you got to do something, okay? I mean, I think all three of us know that you know we we, we love Corbin Burns, uh, but you know we know it's leaked out that Brussels you know went out to Seattle and kind of tried to pry some of their young arms away and got told, yeah, thanks, Craig, you know, we're fine. There's not a there's not a chance in the world that he's not going to dig deep and and try to come up with something creative, right? He know he knows what's at stake. Um, the other thing with the other thing with Breslow is, I am absolutely impressed with the the fact that if he's doing something, it isn't being leaked. Okay. I mean, there were there were leaks, you know, and, and holes the, the size of the Grand Canyon when Bloom was, and I think part of that was the fact that he had a lot of people in the organization probably didn't really love him. But boy, it, it's it's an airtight ship with Breslow, and you, you get these little uh, bits and pieces that come out. But he's not tipping his hand at all, which is a good thing because that's where good deals come out of. Exactly. So, guys, uh, we're going to sit there and bring everybody back on to give everybody a chance to final thoughts. You know, uh, we've, we're going to bring back in uh, Marlon from the Foxborough Fellas. We're going to bring back Jason and Alex from Dynasty Proud. And we're going to bring back Pat from uh, to the Bruins Future Podcast. So, uh, we're, we're going to start with uh, Marlon. So, we're, we're going to give you uh, a final thought. It can be about any sport, anything you heard. Uh, I do have a comment I want you to sit there and touch on uh, from after the huddle. And uh, you touched on it earlier, so we're, we're, we're just going to keep it short and sweet. But uh, after the huddle is asking, 
So are they drafting Caleb or what, fellas? Hard pass. Hard pass. <laughs> so, no. Love the talent. I don't, I don't think it's the right city for him. I don't want him. No, I'm on the Harrison train. I think it's a I great move him. if they do that. I want Mar I want Marvin Harrison. Dumb and Dumber can stay where they are. So I don't want I don't I don't want either one of them. So I I want give me Marvin Harrison Jr. Give me a decent veteran quarterback in the free agency world, someone who's already proven. Get Belichick out of the GM spot. Get somebody in there who can tell him no. Teach him how to draft a player who's worth the shit. Spend some damn money in free agency. And I mean, you literally can't do any worse as of right now. You're the worst team in the AFC. You literally cannot do any worse than you are right now. So, I mean, shit, Robert Kraft, if you're listening to me, I mean, you can pay me a tenth of what you're paying Belichick, and I will gladly take the GM position. And I guarantee you I could do better. I mean, I can't do any worse. So just just please, please it's, it's time for a change. Nothing against Bill. I would love him to stay as head coach. I, I really would. But we need a GM, like an actual GM. You need to spend some money. Please. And everyone keeps making the joke that they're, you know, instead of us actually drafting our quarterback or whatever, Belichick's going to trade back for like 17 seventh round picks and all this and, and all this shit, which is a genuine fear. So uh, the, the the bad part is is you think that that actually might happen and it really could. It's you a genuine fear. It truly it happens. truly is. I mean, <laughs> it's a it's a genuine fear. It really is because you know, Belichick would rather have forty five picks in rounds five, uh, five six seven than one or two picks in round one or two. Every single year he does that shit. So I am begging to God, please get a real GM in there, spend some money in free agency. Don't fall for the don't fall for the clickbait that is Caleb Williams and Drake May, and just just get us out of this hole. Every uh, if, all of Boston sports is there, absolutely incredible, and I'm sitting here in the shit. You know, if you, you're sitting there at, at at two right now, maybe maybe three, how it all shakes out. You grab, you know, you, you take Marvin Harrison. You've got an early second round pick. Maybe that's where you take a flyer on. <laughs> a Bo Nix or a Michael Ben, you know, sit him to your point behind a Kirk Cousins for a year or two. Now you've got a legit wide receiver for a quarterback who, you know, okay, you get a, you, you, you get a, an early second rounder, you know, not, not, you know, do not take him, you know, up, up high. Don't trade back to seven and take a Penix or a Bo Nix or something like that. But now you've got a legit future quarterback. You got a wide receiver who could adapt to the league with a quarterback who knows how to manage a game. Kirk Cousins is a perfect fit for New England next year. As, as hard as it would be to, to once again go into a season knowing, all right, we're going to be middle of the pack. It's not the way any of our brains work. We're, we're a part of the greatest generation of Boston sports fans where all we really know is winning from one team or another at any given point. It might be the Celtics this year that, that kind of give us that back. But you, you, cannot, you cannot invite, you know, LeVar Ball 2.0 you know, managing Caleb Williams, asking for a percentage of the Patriots to come here. That you know how the, the locker room cancer that guy is going to be wherever he goes is is too too rich for my blood. To your point, look, guys, this this is not the first discussion that we've ever had about Belichick and GM. Okay, that discussion has been had before. Unfortunately, the team is playing so badly now. His draft choices and his draft decisions 
uh, magnified a hundred times over. You know, uh, you know, he functioned best when he had Pioli up up in the front office and was able to do some things. When he's when he's left unchecked, he's going to try to prove he's the smartest guy in the room, and he's going to do things like trading down. And he's you know he's got a long history of that. You know, he 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 just he's a game, and I I think with with him it's like. All right, if I can get two, if I get two more three third round draft picks, and two of those guys work out, I'm going to look like a hero, or like I'm going to look like a genius. Sometimes you get to pony up that you know, the yeah. money for their top five draft pick and say, I got to pay this guy. Marvin Harrison Jr. is that guy. I mean, he's he's if he's in, you know, he's just he's going to be all world. Is it possible? He's, the, he's, he's definitely the safest pick. Is it possible to get Brad Stevens sure. to be the GM for all of our teams at this point? <laughs> that sounds like the greatest source of success. I don't know. Is he a football uh, fan? <laughs> who, cares, who cares at this point? I mean, he can't do much worse than Belichick. He's a shit. I was about to say, he, he, doesn't, he, doesn't that is true. A, he doesn't have to be a football fan. He's a team builder. <laughs> that's like, that's yeah, I mean, right it's, now. It's, it's bad. When I mentioned Kirk Cousins, when we did the mock draft, one of our very first episodes, me and Pete, uh, you would think that I've said to like burn the place down. Everybody and their mother was basically like jumping at me, telling me I was a damn heathen and all of a sudden that kind of bullshit. Like, oh, Kirk Cousins is terrible. Kirk Cousins has done with Justin Jefferson. I know he got hurt this year, but look in the last two years what he's done with Justin Jefferson. You give him, you, you give a guy who can, who is a certified game manager, not asking for you know anybody to change the world. Understand that that guy is few and far between. I don't think Caleb Williams or Drake May are that guy, so you don't take them like that. You give Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson 2.0, and Marvin Harrison Jr., and you're going to win football games. You're 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 going to win the games that we've lost. This you're going to score more than seven points in a game. You're not going to lose six nothing to the Chargers that then turn around and get blown out by 60-something points to Vegas. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. That was a low point. That was a low point. Um, So, so, so Marlon, do you you want to give give your final thought and where uh, they can find the Foxborough Fellows podcast? Um, Our final thought is that we suck. uh keep uh, sucking this is definitely this is you can't is suck a, enough and, and happy action may win the dude can't even lose correctly so just i'm i'm i'm, I'm hoping that we stay in that top three pick because if you get out of that top three pick you lose the ability to have marvin harrison and I just – I want it to be a change. You know, like Pat said, we are so unbelievably spoiled for our generation when it comes to Boston sports just in general between everybody. So right now it's like I'm having to like have a very awkward taste in my mouth, which is I've never rooted for a good draft pick before. Like this is like this is some Cleveland and Houston shit. Like <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not used to this. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping – I'm hoping that we can turn it around with how ugly this actually is. Everybody else is doing absolutely phenomenal, and I'm just like the kid in the back of the bus, just like, "Hi guys, we're still here. We still have the franchise." But uh, y'all can uh, y'all can find us on uh, Twitter or X, whatever the hell you want to call it. We're the Fox Fellas Pod, F O X F E L L A S Pod, P O D. Uh, we just started an Instagram page. It's not quite there yet. We're going to get a little more active on there. Apparently, Pete has made a TikTok. That's something going on now. 
Uh, I'm not quite as hip as uh, Pete is on the whole TikTok craze thing. Uh, but uh, hopefully, if I, I would love to stick it to Pat Mahomes this weekend, but I do live in reality, and I think it's it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be pretty. But I mean, another loss solidifies our draft pick. So lose lose situation. Well, Marlon, uh, you know, thanks. Uh, let's go over to Alex and Jason. You know, uh, we'll start with you, Jason. Some final thoughts on you know, any Boston sport. And, uh, well, I would say where we can find you guys at, but, you know, you guys start Monday. I would uh, I would say one of the biggest thoughts I have for the Celtics is just stay healthy. Like, just keep KP under bubble wrap, keep Tatum Brown under bubble wrap, make it through the season so we can put on, you know, a great championship run. I will say, though, for, this, for the uh, Red Sox, though, I like I really want Yamamoto. Like that is just a move that I think the team really needs to get this fan base, you know, a little uplifted. Uh, you know, Twitter X whatever has been very down for Red Sox Nation recently. So I think getting a move like that for Craig, you know, in Red Sox Nation would be pretty good in my opinion. So I completely agree with both points for the Celtics. I feel like obviously every team is thinking, you know, as long as we can stay healthy, but the Celtics ceiling is so much higher than everybody else's that if we can stay healthy, particularly Porzingis and then Tatum doesn't run into, you know, heat culture sledding under his ankle in game seven, then I don't see another team that's currently constructed that can beat us. But also at Yamamoto, like, I know at the end of the day, it's not our money, but, you know, if, he, if John Henry wants to show that he's serious about this team and that he wants to get, you know, the fan base buy-in back in and, you know, free agents to start taking us seriously, like, this is the move. Like, you can't be, I mean, I understand you put a competitive offer out there. Over $300 million is a competitive offer. And at the end of the day, if he picks somewhere else that he feels like he can win, you know, right now, then you tip your hat to it. But it's like, if we get out bid and, you know, he comes back to us and is like, you know, if you guys can go up to 350 then, you know, I'll come there. And then John Henry, you know, is looking for a new team to buy or is, you know, out in the town and doesn't do that. Then he really needs to consider selling this team because we're the Boston Red Sox. We're not the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, bottom line shouldn't be everything for us, you know. And think about how much, you know, that'll help, you know, I mean, it's not Shohei, but, you know, getting, you know, the Japanese market back infused into Boston. Like there was a, a joke that, you know, when Shohei signed for, you know, $700 million that, um, that he offered him three for 30 and like, it's almost believable with John Henry these days, but yeah, I'd love to get him. Okay. Uh, Pat, uh, final thoughts I mean, for I, you. Touching on the Red Sox real quick, you know, common quote but when, when when you have fuck you money sometimes you just gotta say fuck you and just go do it i think that you know the 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 show ap is i don't think he ever wanted to leave the west coast i think he kind of made that pretty clear so i don't think they had or even with the new balance you know ceo being in boston i don't really think that was ever truly realistic yamamoto is a different beast um i think that this team really it, it it's not as far away from contending as our pitching staff last year made our record look. I think we were in a lot of those games. So I think, you know, just, you know, not, not only for the fans, but just w when you've got that money, just, just spend it and go, go show that you mean business um, for the Bruins tough loss tonight, you know, in, in overtime. But one of the thing, you know, gotta say this team plays with heart. And I think in Boston more than in many other cities, wanting to be in Boston and wanting to play in Boston is a, is a big, is a big, big thing. And I think a lot of these young guys that have come up from the P Bruins, they, they really want to be here. 
and you know the, the, the this team is playing like 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 they're enjoying it. You know how how many times do we watch whether it's the Pats, Celtics, Bruins, you know whatever guys just even when they're winning don't look like they're having a lot of fun. These guys look like they're having a lot of fun. Um, so I'm I'm excited for where this this Bruins team goes. George, you're, uh, what about you and DC? Then uh, to close things up. Yeah, I, I mean, the waiting game. I hope is is over. Uh, I'm with you guys. You know, Yamamoto is a great fit. Um, I'm a little worried about Twitter slash X fan, Red Sox fan base. Um, a lot of them look like they're on suicide watch. Uh, you know, they're backing off a little bit. Uh, I, I'm, I'm I, I cover my Sunday column uh, tomorrow about the, vir- the the patience being a virtue. Uh, you know, you, you gotta let you gotta let it sit, guys, because we're not we're not controlling the message. Okay, the players and the agents are, and that's the way we're at in baseball and sports in general. All right, uh, we're, we're just the the, the the teams are just vic- uh, are victims of this game that they've put together. Uh, and they, they call it a sport. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed with what Brezel's done so far. He's done the right move. As I mentioned when we were talking earlier, I think he's done it with radio silence, which is absolutely incredible in the 21st century. So uh, my Patriots, yeah, I'd love them to upset the, the Chiefs tomorrow, but that ain't going to happen. And, uh, you know, go green, man. I want to see 18 hung and Bruins. It's time to avenge what you did last last spring. So. DZ? Yeah, I won't touch too much on the other sports. I don't want to, you know, sound stupid. Um, so I'll stick with the Red Sox. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with Yamamoto. Obviously, like we just said, you got to make the move. If not, you got to pivot immediately and make a big splash. This, uh, this fan base is tough. Um, Twitter is kind of unbearable to be on right now. I do want to highlight one guy. It's a it was a small move, but uh, Josh, you know how much I love bullpen pieces. Keep an eye on uh, Isaiah Campbell. I think uh, he's going to be a big part of that bullpen. Um, maybe down the road in his future, he could be a starter. Hopefully, we don't need him to make that. But uh, guy that sits in mid to high nineties fastball uh, slider kind of guy, um, and he gets a lot of strikeouts in the zone. So I think that's something that we always need. Um, but overall, just excited to see what happens in the next few days. Hopefully, we wake up to some good news or, hell, even some uh, some news tonight. But throw in the goddamn bag, man. After an opt-out, you know, seven years in, whatever you got to do. Um, but I definitely don't want to see him go to anybody that, you know, like the Yankees. I could see them being a dark horse, which, you know, kind of blows. But uh, make the move, man. But I, I am excited to see where this goes. Like I said, I think this is going to be the, the one that finally sets off the free agency. I know we've had some pitchers, you know, go in the last few days which, you know, some of the Red Sox Twitter has been up in arms about, you know, oh, we got outbid, but then if we would have signed those same people, we would, oh, why the hell did we do that? So make the move, spend the goddamn money, and uh, hopefully have a good year. But I really appreciate you all coming on, man. It was good to meet all y'all and uh, talk some sports. Well, I'll sit there and touch base on on every sport uh, real quick before we close it up. Marlon, what would you do? And you, and you don't have to answer this because it's theoretically. If Belichick misses a, uh, and screws up a top three draft and takes the offensive tackle from uh, Penn State, that seems like something Belichick would do as a GM. So, uh, Celtics, man, I, I, I'm just waiting for it. You know, 
like you guys said, stay healthy. Be eight, you know, hang eighteen. Uh, Pat with the Bruins, man. I, I, I don't watch a lot of hockey like I, I, I should. But last, yes, last night's game against the Islanders, like that, that was a, you know, highs and lows back to like really quick rapid fire, you know. And I, I, I kind of enjoy that. And uh, Red Sox guys, man, it's just. Let's just sign the best guy out there and, and, and you know, move forward. So, guys, thanks for sitting there and stopping by. Head on over to YouTube. Uh, it's at BSEN617. Follow us there. Follow us. Uh, Marlon, we're we're also on TikTok uh, because our, our good friend at the Celtics podcast, Jason, is young and hip like that. So he's he's helping us out, uh, push out TikTok vids, uh, left and right, and you know you can you're gonna find all of our podcasts either on iTunes, uh, Spotify, or YouTube. So for Boston sports in general, guys, let's win championships and have a great night.